Welcome back to our Busting Addiction and Its Myths podcast. I'm Bruno J, and I have updated the introduction to our episodes in order to address an issue that we cannot ignore, nor do we want to. It looks like COVID-19, the coronavirus, will be with us for some time, some say for another year or two. People are as frightened as they ever have been. They seek safety for their families above all, protection from the virus and from economic insecurity. But many families also face an added burden, drug addiction and alcoholism in their own homes, and what to do about it. There's something you should know. We, Safe House Rehab Thailand, were founded on the idea of safety. We hold on to the truth that clients deserve to come to a treatment clinic where they can at least feel safe and sound. Devoting ourselves to safety first gives us the firm foundation upon which everything else is constructed. Hence our name, Safe House Rehab Thailand. Thailand has been recognized as one of the world's safest places to be during the pandemic. Further, we at Safehouse have made the right adjustments so that clients and staff remain and feel safe and sound. Masks are mandatory as is social distancing, mandatory hand cleaning, daily blood oximeter readings, which is an early warning measure, and if by chance someone, anyone doesn't feel well, the local hospital in Bangbong is only minutes away. My podcast, Busting Addiction and Its Myths, is dedicated to serving families of still-suffering addicts and alcoholics by providing evidence-based advice and insight so that you can make a better informed decision on what to do and what not to do. We are sponsored by Safehouse Rehab Thailand, dedicated to a modern approach to recovery, which means that we absolutely outperform traditional rehabs when it comes to diagnostics, technology, and aftercare. To learn how we can help, just visit safehouserehab.com where we post the latest news. Hello, I'm Bruno J, and welcome back to Busting Addiction and Its Myths. And if you're a first-time listener, welcome aboard. This marks episode 13 of season 5. Drug addiction and alcoholism are such wide and deep topics that there are always new insights to bring to our audience. Today I want to talk about the cunning, befuddling, and sneaky nature of the addict's or alcoholic's thought process and how that can provoke insane responses on the part of loved ones. I've spoken before about the undeniable fact that when there is an addict in the house, whether living under the same roof or not, the whole family succumbs to the addiction. Academic studies abound, and they all report the same truths, that an addict's behavior affects everyone in the family in some negative way, that the family unit becomes dysfunctional as a result, and that the family invariably reacts in irrational ways. Much of what the family tries to do is related to controlling the addict's abuse of drugs or alcohol, to covering up the abuse out of shame, usually, to some form of enabling, oh, such as paying for a bounce check, to other behaviors that stir even more conflict or retaliatory actions, such as locking him out of the house, screaming, or even more violent behavior. Some of these actions are well-intended, out of love, but they're also completely misguided arising from a lack of understanding of the nature of the disease. Let's first examine how a committed, that is a full-blown addict, actually thinks, that is, how his thinking is organized. It might help you understand how to deal with it better if you think about the difference between the addict and the addiction. It's a wide gulf, actually, because the concept leads us to think very differently about the issue. It leads us to a more objective and realistic view, which is what my entire podcast is really all about. 
The insight I quote below comes from Addict in the House, a book authored by Robin Barnett, a recognized educator in the addictions and recovery field. That said, his is a common view among those who have experience in this field. He says the following, Saying no to someone who is obviously suffering is agonizing, but saying no to your loved one's addiction can be gratifying and empowering. When you truly grasp that you're fighting the addiction, not your addicted loved one, it becomes much easier to set boundaries. And you'll become more able to truly help to avoid inadvertently feeding the, feeding the addiction. Therefore, it also helps to remember that addiction's only purpose is to feed itself. To do so, it uses a wide variety of strategies, hijacking the addict's intelligence, skills, and relationships. So when I say that you're not thinking straight, I mean that you, Mr. Addict, can't think straight because the addiction is doing the thinking for you. It has taken over your brain. Now you, acting on behalf of your addiction, are making weird decisions that only sabotage your well-being and hurt your loved ones. So here are those survival strategies that the addiction deploys to protect its existence. 1. Denial takes countless forms in and of itself besides straight-up lying. It includes minimizing to make the quantity used more, quote, acceptable, as if there were an acceptable level of cocaine one would use. Denial also includes shifting the focus to another abuser by saying, you think I'm bad, now Johnny over there, he's a real addict, not me. And any success such as a decent job or good grades that the addict is still achieving will also be quoted as evidence that he's normal. Quote. Two, justification is when an addict offers seemingly logical reasons for drinking or using and for the resultant behavior that follows. Justification is both internal and external. The addict may decide to steal mom's necklace to pawn, saying to himself that she hasn't worn it in years, and besides, she won't miss it anyway. That's internal. External justifications for using or drinking to excess are expressed in a way that family members and others will easily relate to. They sound normal. Addicts will express innocuous-sounding excuses for using, like, quote, blowing off steam, unwinding, chill, and so on, often connected to a, quote, stressful job or marriage. What the family doesn't point out or even think about sometimes is that everyone experiences stress in life, but not everyone abuses substances to escape reality and deaden the pain that sometimes comes with it. Three, internal deception means we won't admit that we have a problem. It was 20 years before I understood that myself, having sobered up at the age of 46. Most deception, however, has to do with hiding the fact of use or abuse from family members who will also happen to be the easiest to deceive due to the level of trust inherent in most family units. They just don't want to believe that they have that kind of problem, not in their family anyway. Remember that addiction fears discovery and is terrified of losing the ability to feed itself with its drug of choice. That's what these strategies are designed to do, find any way for the addiction not to get found out. Four. Manipulation is the M.O. for the addiction to get what it wants and to avoid what it doesn't. Of all the tools addiction uses to protect itself, its favorite might be you. The most commonly exploited quality is love. The more someone cares for the addict, the more susceptible the family member will be to inadvertently protecting the addiction. Perhaps the most flagrant example I can think of is blaming the family member for, quote, the problem. In a furious argument, the addict will say, we wouldn't be having these problems if we weren't so effing late crazy. Notice the shift to we. 
What happens next is that the family member immediately becomes defensive, and while confused mom is explaining herself, as her son has deflected the question, he makes his getaway. Remember, I say to my Al-Anon friends, he doesn't see his addiction as the problem. He sees you as the problem because you're in the way. So what have we learned to help explain the idea that the addict or alcoholic isn't at any time thinking straight because the addiction has taken over his entire thought process? One, family members need to make the distinction between the person as an addict and the addiction as an entity that warps his thinking and takes over his thought process. Two, the sole purpose of the addiction is to feed and protect itself. It lives in constant fear of death, of being denied the means to stay alive and thrive. Three, therefore it employs a full suite of very clever strategies designed to have it flourish and to protect itself whenever threatened. It plays both offense and defense. Four, the main strategies addiction and alcoholism use to keep their motors running are denial, justification, deception, and manipulation of the people who love them the most. Five, recognizing that it's the addiction which has stolen a loved one's thinking makes it easier to say no to the person one loves and will ultimately prove to be a liberating and empowering idea. Thank you for tuning in today. This podcast is sponsored by safehouserehab.com. Safehouse Rehab represents the modern approach to recovery founded on safety as our first priority. We absolutely outperform traditional rehabs with a sophisticated intake protocol, application of new techniques, and a more robust aftercare program.